55 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the West right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Welcome in Tuesday of Thanksgiving week, one day closer to the battle for the golden egg. I think we um, nailed that down on yesterday's show that, yes, the proper name of the thing and in certain uses, it is definitely, without question, it is the battle for the golden egg. There it is. If you're watching the stream. On Periscope or on Facebook, there it is. The Golden Egg Trophy. The battle for the Golden Egg. But if you're talking to your friends you know, or at coworkers and just hanging out around the water cooler, it's the Egg Bowl, right? Because we're just going to shorten everything. And last night, I uh, sort of took a show of hands there at the uh, Jackson Touchdown Club. And it was kind of split down the middle. But everybody pretty much did agree that we don't use the phrase the battle for the golden egg in everyday conversation. <laughs> we say egg bowl. Welcome into the show here in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. Local agents, competitive rates, fast service, friendly service. Deal with somebody one-on-one, face-to-face, cell phone to cell phone. You get to know them personally. They are somebody who's, you know, lives in the same town you live in. Their kids go to school with your kids. It's not somebody you got to talk to on an 800 number. You know, if you have that fender bender, that's what's great about Farm Bureau. Get to know your agent personally, and I can vouch for that. All right, so here we go. This is um, Tuesday of Thanksgiving week. What are you thankful for? I want to know what you're thankful for. Tell me. On the text line at 885-ESPN, 885 ESPN or 885-3776. So let me know. I'm thankful for uh, insurance agents whose first language is English. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) When when you call in, you feel a little better if you understand what they're telling you. (laughs) That's right. That always hadn't been the case for me. Right. Well, um, yeah, we got there's we should be thankful for all the little things, including (laughs) uh, the big things also. Hey, um, let me uh, remind you, too, I'd love to hear your voice today. So as we talk about this battle for the Golden Egg, the Connerly Trophy, who's going to win that sucker? We talked about that a little bit yesterday, and I wonder how you feel, you know, after you've slept on it. Is it Kylan Hill? Is it John Rice Plumley, Or is it Jack Abraham Southern Miss? Seems like it comes down to those guys. Uh, who do you think is going to win the Connerly Trophy? We'll find out next week. All that and more. And other games coming up around the country. So feel free to hit me up on the Divinity Equipment phone line. Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson. Your Kubota dealer. They are having a Black Friday sale, and it's already started. It's right now, this week, at Divinity Equipment in Madison. They've got 
great deals. If you go up there, Divinity Equipment, uh, Highway 51, they've got, uh, for instance, toys. You get Christmas coming up. So all the Kubota tractors and uh, toys and everything, you know, I think it's like 10% off. They're having a deal on Yetis, Yeti cups. You buy one, you get another one half off. So all that stuff, the Black Friday deals at Divinity Equipment in-store have begun already. Make sure you go swing on by. So here's what you got coming your way. I'll get to some of your texts uh, coming up. And we'll take your phone calls today. You can tweet me at Radio Wyatt. I had a good time last night, Jackson Touchdown Club. That was fun. A lot of questions. Uh, we talked a little bit about everything, or you know, in, in, in the football spectrum. Recruiting. Pat, you know, living in the past, glory days, playing in the Egg Bowl, some of that. Looking at this year's matchup. Had a question or two about things outside of um outside of the state of Mississippi. That was fun. And there was um there there was some humor there last night. I I got a, a big kick out of some of the things that were said. But it was a lot of fun. It I'm really was. I enjoyed it. Oh, I, I mean I had a full room in there. Um there at uh, River Hills. Hey, and I got to sit next to, I was invited by, and got to sit next to um, Glenn Waddle, who, yeah. yeah, a lot of people will re- remember him as, or know him as the PA announcer, the PA voice at the Ole Miss games. Yeah, if you go to an Ole Miss game, you hear, first down, Ole Miss. That's Glenn Waddle over the PA. And he does a lot of stuff and has for many, many years. And he has an incredible story. I was talking to him, Roger. And the guy has been to home and away every single Ole Miss football game going back to like the 70s or something. Wow. And and here's the other thing. He used he told me that all the road games he used to fly to them, but then he developed some type of inner ear thing that started making it hard on him, making it hard to fly. So he's been driving. So like he drove to their road John, game at Fresno, California. John Madden in again. Yeah, except he's driving himself. Madden had a bus, had somebody driving him. Glenn drove himself to Fresno, California. He drove himself. When did he, leave? he drove Tuesday? himself to Berkeley, California. <laughs> now you have to leave on Monday. Yeah, it's incredible. So he's a, he's a neat story. Yeah, I enjoy getting to talk with him and and sit next to him. All right, uh, Lynn on the Davini Equipment phone line. What's up, Lynn? Hey, man, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Hey, uh, look, I'm sure you've heard this, and I just want to say it to any state fan out there listening. Please, please, please quit saying you hope we lose the egg bowl so we'll fire the coach. And it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, and it's 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 sad and it's sickening, and I, I don't believe you can be a true fan to say that. That's just my opinion, Matt, and I ain't going to take up a lot of your time. I hope he'll wear the counter league. Hell State, let's get that, keep that egg at home, man. Have a good day. I'm going to listen on Facebook, brother. Thanks, Lynn. Appreciate you. Hail State to you. Lynn, uh, watching. a lot in fast. <laughs> that's right. Watching and listening on Facebook. Got it streaming on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Radio Wyatt. Um, thanks for uh, watching. Yeah, I would tell you, Lynn, like that's an exercise. That's, what, what, they, what was it that back in the day Marshall Henderson at Ole Miss tweeted something and it was off color or whatever and then he just blamed it on later he said he was just doing a social experiment <laughs> i thought it was a brilliant response that's what cosby was doing <laughs> social experiments uh, experience uh, experiment yeah there we go 
Anyway, um, it, that would be. Uh, I, I think it is an an exercise in the psychology of portions of your fan base, and because I would tell you this, Lynn, people that say that they might say that verbally, but certainly they'll type it on their you know and send it out on Twitter and stuff. I hope we lose so we can get a new coach and all that. Those very people, about ninety five percent of those very people that say or tweet that. You put them in their seat in the stadium on Thursday night, and they are screaming their guts out wanting their team to win. So I don't even buy it. Deep down, they don't want their team to lose. Hey, maybe he maybe he'll leave instead of getting fired. You never know. He may not like it. <laughs> yeah, that's like true. It. You you do never know. All right. Um here, here, let's do something real quick. Tex, let's see what we have. Blair from Brandon. I'm thankful for my wife and kids, family, and what I'm most thankful for is the butt whipping Tippy Tate is about to receive. <laughs> That's cute. Instead of saying Mississippi State, he said Tippy Tate. I thought he was talking about the new governor. <laughs> I what I I read it slowly, like hey, I kind of tune in for this event. I know, I, Roger. As I'm reading the text, I, I'm kind of previewing it before I actually, you know, blurted it out. You got the butt. You got worried. Yeah, I got the butt whipping that Tippy Tate is about to receive. <laughs> um, Louvier says, "I'm thankful for a nine and two record and that my team needs only one win to clinch the NFC South." Go Saints! Who that? It's all about the playoffs, isn't it? Hey, and Louvier, tell the truth. It did your heart some good watching the L.A. Rams. Just get destroyed last night on Monday Night Football. What was his final score? Like 45 to 9 or something like that? I'm talking the Baltimore Ravens destroyed the LA Rams last night on Monday Night Football. 45 to 6. Lamar Jackson, former Heisman Trophy winner, Michael Vick 2.0. Lamar Jackson threw five. Five touchdown passes last night in that ball game. Check out my Twitter feed, would you? I shared with you earlier this morning on Twitter, I'm at Radio Wyatt. I shared with you a video from almost two years ago. It was January 2018. Mississippi State had just played and beaten Louisville in their ball game. And I put a video together about Lamar Jackson and how he compared to Michael Vick back in the day. And just go watch it. Again, it's two years ago. It's before he was drafted. When the whole world is saying that he needs to be a receiver, and he won't be a quarterback. And I just didn't think so. I want you to go back and look at that. It's on my Twitter timeline from this morning, at Radio Wyatt. Check it out. Back over here to the phone line. Let's talk to Phil, who is listening today in South Mississippi. Somewhere in South Mississippi, parts unknown, on the Divini Equipment phone line. Divini Equipment in Madison and in Jackson. Let's punch him up here. Phil, what's happening? Hey, Matt. Hey, hey man. Just didn't want to be too specific about where I'm located in case <laughs> I make somebody mad. You know how I totally is. understand that. <laughs> hey, uh, just a quick question. Uh, all the stuff on the message boards just really gets to where it bothers me back and forth, uh, and how it affects current and maybe potential future players and how they feel about 
the status of the program and the coach and all that. But one thing I hadn't really got a feel for is how the, the players on the team uh, feel about the situation. And are they playing hard for Moorhead or are they not? And if so, do you think that the uh, um, this Egg Bowl, they'll either bow up and play really hard because potentially he could be coaching for his job or – Will they not and possibly cost him his job because they don't seem to be playing for him? What do you think about that? Phil, um, the players like Coach Moorhead. They really do. The players are on board for Coach Moorhead. You know, so on a personal level, they like him. But here's the thing that I think you need to and have to understand. It's what I want you to understand is that that kind of stuff, you know, like beyond the personal level, whether you like somebody or don't, beyond that, it, it, it kind of doesn't matter if it pales in comparison to the success you're having. Let, let me word it a different way. Players ultimately w- will put up with pretty much anything from a coach, a position coach, like him, dislike him, any of that, as long as they are having some individual success and team success. Um, there are a lot of guys who, in the way that they go about coaching on a personal level, are just not likable. Uh, Jimbo Fisher is one of those. You know, if you could go to a, a, a an A&M practice and watch the way he handles players, you're like, why don't they punch him in the nose? Okay. The way you know Nick Saban, right. Nick Saban made an NFL player for the Miami Dolphins cry one day at practice. He ain't likable. I'm sorry, but Nick Saban is not likable. But right. but guess what? Players ultimately get to a point where they don't care if he's likable or not, as long as they're having some individual success in winning ball games and a chance to win. Yeah, that's what matters the and most I, to I the get, players. Yeah, I guess that's kind of the point. I have no doubt he's a good guy. So everything you hear about him is the players do like him, but it just, like I said, it doesn't seem like he has yet maybe got them to respond, uh, you know, to, like I said, be as successful as everybody thought they would be and hoped they would be this year. So, yeah, I guess that that was a point I was getting yeah, at. And can he, what can I would he get say, them motivated? Can to, he get them motivated to go and play and kind of, you know, bust through the wall instead of hitting the wall? Can they go through the wall, sort of thing? And Phil. Right. You know, I, I think that th- there's not going to be, you know, some scenario where where it's like players aren't playing hard for their coach. W- what it is is by this point in the year, it, th- the most pragmatic way you can look at it is by this point in the year, those players with the way they have been coached for their, you know, with their individual technique and in the scheme, it's either going to work or it's not, and if they have experienced very little success, players start to get frustrated. Their body language changes. They they question what's being called. They question how they've been coached. If the, if on the other side of that, by this point in the year, if they're having success, if they're making improvement week in and week out, if they're doing some things they didn't think they could do, but now all the stuff the coach has been saying is starting to show up in games. 
then they don't get frustrated. They don't have poor body language. And it looks like they're playing harder. And to me, those things sound like they're intangible, like you can't just directly point them out. But those things are kind of visible to the naked eye, honestly. And so I think, um, you know, um, I'll be really interested to see which team looks like what on Thursday night. Yeah. One thing that I noticed, talk about Kyle and Hill not, not producing in some games and that he just had a off game and I really didn't see it that he had an off game. It looked like the Lions the one that had the off game because there was just absolutely no place to run. He had somebody hanging on him yeah. by the time he got the ball but and you could see his frustration sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, when he would yeah. get up and that's exactly exactly what you're talking about. So right. anyway, hopefully it'll go our way, uh Hail State. Talk to you later. All right. Thanks, Phil. Hey, I'll state to you. Appreciate the call. Adam in Mobile on the Divinity Equipment phone. The great state of Alabama. What's up, Adam? Happy Thanksgiving, Matt. Yeah, you too, man. Hey, man, I want to go back. Let's talk about Moorhead from the day he got here, okay? Mm-hmm. With the team he had last year, he should have won 10 games. And then he loses his bowl game to a BS team. He's not recruiting very good. I mean, top 25 classes, but, you know, and then today he starts knocking our facilities. You know, we need this. We need it. My God, Mullen had raised a hell of a lot more money than he ever did. Another thing, we we lost two games that we should have wiped them guys out. We should have beat Tennessee. He brought in Tommy Stevens. He's underachieved is his point. It was my point. Joe Moe got to go in Hell State. Have a good match. Thanks for the call, Adam. You know, um, on the point of underachieving, you know, it's – look, um, they should have beaten Florida last year. There, there's no doubt. State had a better team than Florida did last year. And, um, you know, I don't think I told this specifically at the time. I, I, I won't put the name out there now, but I have someone who I know who is a former Florida Gator player, played in the NFL. And um, – we communicated a little bit right after that game. We stay in touch. And, you know, I trust his opinion. And uh, right after the ball game last year against Florida, he said um, State's coaching staff, State's team got out-schemed in that game. So you look at a close game, low scoring, and you say, you know, State got out-schemed. And one response I had is, well, you know, one thing you can say is that the scheme got him a touchdown over the top and the kid just didn't catch the ball. Um, and then, you know, the rebuttal to that is, well, the scheme did that, but the scheme also didn't get him another chance at a touchdown catch. And that's true. They definitely should have beaten Florida last year at home. And when you watch the way that they played against Auburn right after that, you know, it really was an indication that they were a better team than Florida a year ago. They just didn't put it together. They could not put it together in the pass game. And so on the note of underachievement, sure, you know, that bowl game is a game that they should have won. That's another one where you catch one ball that was hit a guy in the end zone. It's ball game. It's over. State wins. But the margin in those games were a little closer than they should have been to begin with, too, with your personnel. So you say, okay, we've underachieved. I, it, it's 
there's a whole lot of ifs and buts when you go, this game should have been won, this game should have been won, because there's maybe some you won where you should have lost. I, I don't know. But what I can say is, it seems to me, for various reasons, that the passing game has taken longer to come along and longer to develop than anybody expected at State. Statistics will back that up. We did, we went through that exercise at the end of last week, kind of looking at you know stats and SEC play only, conference only stats, who what you know who's doing what against SEC teams. Ole Miss actually throws the ball slightly better per game than State does. Now think about that. So that's what I mean is the inconsistency in the pass game that the now two years in the fact that you still. Are not a you're really not a 200 yard a game pass offense. That is probably the most surprising thing. If I were to go, if you were to go, where have they underachieved? That's what I would say. His player staff, everybody, and they've had turnover in their staff after last year. They had turnover at quarterback after last year. Injuries at quarterback this year. But all those things considered, it feels like they have underachieved in the pass game now for two years, and they're playing a team on Thursday night that gives up a ton of passing yards. And you wonder, like, does something have to give? Something's got to give, right? We'll see. Hey, just getting started with you on a Tuesday of Thanksgiving week in the Farm Bureau studio. Stay with me. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. been here amongst us one of us gotta have a little relief i'm gonna let you hear um some of the sound bites of state and old miss people talking yesterday on monday both schools had their weekly press conferences so i'm gonna have you some audio coming up from joe moorhead as well as matt luke they both talked about and players um assistant coaches also talked about chippiness how to deal with that? Make sure you don't get out of your your responsibility and get you know penalties after the play. And boy, I tell you, it's a tough atmosphere when you go play this thing on the road and all that. I'm in in my opinion, that is all that stuff is the most overblown, just hot air that goes on regarding this rivalry at any point in time. It's overblown. It pales in comparison to other rivalries and stuff fans have done, stuff they do. Anybody who's – unless you live in a little bitty, teeny, tiny, small world, you know that. And so it's just a – I mean, there's some truth in it, but also to the extent that people take this whole thing about, oh, the, the nastiness and the chippiness and the – sure, there have been some pushings and shovings and stuff over the years, but nothing like you've had at South Carolina Clemson. Nothing like any of that. And besides, you know, don't even call it a brawl. Okay, because I've seen some real brawls. I won't go into detail. And in real brawls, nobody's wearing helmets and shoulder pads and and thigh pads and knee pads and protection, okay? 
Nobody even gets hurt in fights in football. It's usually just a big waste of time. And everybody makes way too big a deal out of all that stuff to the point that then you get hundreds of thousands of fans believing it. And just because you go to a game and somebody wearing the other team's colors yells at you and tells you you suck does not mean that your life is threatened, does not mean that it's a dangerous situation. Anyway, I'll back off on that in a minute, for a minute. But first, this could affect winner or loser of this ballgame on Thursday night. News today that Missouri has received its final answer from the NCAA Appeals Committee. And they have upheld the initial sanctions for Missouri, which included a postseason ban for their football team. Postseason bans for football, baseball, and softball. The NCAA, I mean, uh, Missouri appealed. Everybody was waiting on it. They have gotten their answer. Their appeal has been denied. Their football team cannot play in the postseason. That could affect who, what bowl game you get in if state were to get eligible. And frankly, there is a chance that Ole Miss, if they win on Thursday night and get to five wins, that with a healthy APR, maybe they go. I was under the understanding if you're on probation, they can't. You can't be one of the five and seven teams they take into the postseason, but uh, it turns out maybe that's not true because Matt Luke was asked about it and he did not say that. So maybe I was wrong. All right. So sound bites. What did it sound like? Here's a little bit of the Q and A question and answer with Joe Moorhead yesterday in his weekly press conference taking questions from the media. Looking at the game being on Thanksgiving, have you put any thought into the difference in playing on a Thursday versus a Saturday and your personal thoughts on this game being on Thanksgiving Day? Two great American pastimes, turkey and football. So let's combine them together. Coach, you guys have been running the football pretty good here lately. In, in your mind, when you watch your film, what's what's been the keys to that other than just Kylan being pretty good and, and Nick being good in that? What, what's the offensive line going to change the last few weeks? Yeah, I think you've uh, – <laughs> I don't want to say musical chairs, but we've had a lot of guys shuttling in and out of there and guys playing different positions. And I think, uh, you know, Marcus's ability to cross-train them, you know, during camp and during the season has helped when we've had to kind of slide guys in and out. But, uh, you know, I think, you know, it's, it's generally speaking, it's numbers, it's angles, it's grass, making sure that you have a good game plan put together. The O-line and the tight ends blocking with great physicality, the running backs running with great pad level. And as much as we put the quarterback in the decision-making process for, for the uh, – you know, some of the RPO and read stuff, making sure they're getting the ball to the right person. Several guys left the Abilene Christian game with injuries. Any lingering effects from that or in Cam Dantzler's status? Cam's available. All the guys that, uh, that went out uh, from the game will be ready for tonight. Coach, you mentioned Willie Gay being scout team player of the week again. Uh, I know that's probably an honor he's real happy to have, but how difficult has it been to, to have guys going from scout team to first team and as far as your chemistry and practice and things of that nature? Uh, yeah, it certainly doesn't help continuity. Uh, and when you have, I mean, everyone's aware of the situation. I mean, 10 at the beginning of the year, and you know, then you have to pick the games that they're able to play and then bounce them back and forth between scout team and, and, and travel squad. And you know, certainly is a game in all three phases of precision and consistency. And uh, you know, that's just something that's a, one of a few obstacles and roadblocks that we've had to deal with, and uh, you know, I think the kids have kind of taken it in stride. And uh, you know, this is just another another one we're going to have to overcome. Joe, obviously on the field it's a rivalry, but off the field in college football, a lot of 
talk about you know the arms race in college football and building up facilities and stuff. Yep. Obviously, you guys have gotten the new locker rooms this year, but how much do you guys look at whether it's when you been talks with John or whoever it is with administration? How much do you guys look at what other teams are doing in the SEC and what's kind of the challenge of Mississippi State and being that maybe one of those smaller schools in the SEC and in fighting through those things? Yeah, we we uh you know you're always looking to see what other people. Uh, you know, utilize in terms of, of facilities and resources and staff salary pool and things like that and, you know, ways that you can improve and make your program better. And I think we've gotten incredible support from uh, Mr. Cohn and our administration of doing uh, what we're capable of doing with, within the, the constraints of, uh, of our budget. And I think you look, you look to all the positive things we're doing, you know, new recruiting lounge, new players locker room, uh, you know, new graphics going up around the building, doing a lot of upgrades here. I think the next big step will be a, a new indoor facility. And I think that would really help us on a lot of levels. But you know, I, I don't think we can sit here and realistically say that we're going to spend the type of money that some of the other schools do. But I think you know, we're pushing the envelope forward. We're trying to make a lot of positive strides. And ultimately, it's what's in the best interest of our student athletes or where, where are we helping to put them in a position to be successful with the things that, that we're accessible to. And, and I think for the most part, we've done that. All right. So um, a little bit from Joe Moorhead there. Now, in regards to Ole Miss possibly getting into a bowl game at 5-7, and seven, um, it's happened before. It happens every year. There's more bowl games than there are bowl-eligible teams. Now, figure that out. Okay, that kind of puts it into perspective, the whole bowl thing. I'll be honest with you. It, it's a little bit of a um, – well, okay, it just is what it is. We get a lot of games in December because TV wants them, therefore teams get to go practice. Hallelujah. There are only – Three postseason games that ultimately really, really matter on the landscape of this season. All the rest of them could matter about future seasons because it lets younger players come in and practice. And it may boost recruiting or whatever. Okay, so there you go. I said it. Um, But what I said was I was under the impression that teams that are under current probation or on current probation in in, in the sport of football – even if you qualify at five and seven from an APR academic standpoint to be in a postseason game, to go as a five and seven team, the probation disqualifies you. But like I said, in the press conference yesterday, Matt Luke was asked about that, and he didn't say anything about it not being a possibility. So I may be totally wrong. That's what I said. I may be wrong. Maybe I was just under the wrong impression. Terry, on my Twitter feed, Terry says, we are not on probation any longer. That is behind us. Well, a lot of the penalties are behind you, but the probation still stands. This is um, what they got. They got three years of probation. Okay, whatever probation is, it's like this label they stamp on your forehead, and it stays there until they wash it off or whatever. But three years of probation until November the 30th, 2020. All the other stuff, you know, the penalties, the postseason bans in 2017-18, that's behind you. You know, show calls for coaches, they're gone. They're all gone. You know, eight-year, five-year, two-year, five-year, all those guys are gone. Vacated the regular season wins in certain years, gone. It's done. It's over. Scholarship reductions, 2018 and 19, self-imposed, done, over. Recruiting restrictions, disassociation of boosters. Yeah, those things have happened, but this, this umbrella of probation that hangs over you goes until 2020 at least according to what the NCAA put out. But like I said, I could be totally wrong about that. All right. Stick around.
You're listening. Back on the show. Be steady on the text line says last year's Florida loss. Let it go. <laughs> and he's got the little snowflake emojis and he's doing the uh, he's doing the uh, Elsa song from Frozen. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> I've heard my daughter sing that so many times. Um, never get never gets old, huh? It really. Hey, now now they've come out with a new Frozen, Frozen Two. She and her little friends just my uh, my wife took them to the movie, uh, maybe Sunday afternoon. What's what's the verdict? Oh, they loved it. Loved so I can tell it. all the all the little girls who loved it. <laughs> I loved it. Like I told you, Roger, when we went to it was December of last year, so almost a year ago, we made our family trip up to New York and we went and saw Frozen on Broadway. And it was incredible how talented those people are. Incredible. But of all the things that you could go see on Broadway, it was Frozen. That's what we went to. Like, well, we've seen the movie 85 times. We kind of know how this goes. (laughs) Your daughter enjoy? Oh, loved it. I mean, it was just incredible. Did she like that more or the train that y'all go up to at one time? Yeah. No, she liked the New York thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She's, She's all into music and, you know, and. What was that other thing? That the toy train or? Well, yeah, it was you the had hot cocoa on it. Uh huh. Yeah, that was uh, the, the express, the, the Polar right. Express. Right. Yeah, right. Polar Express. They the Polar Express, and it was in Batesville. We went to Batesville for that. Yeah, she was much younger. She was like three, and she she does not like chocolate. The kid does not like chocolate. Weird. And they gave her hot chocolate, and she took one sip of it and spit it out right in front of everybody. It goes, <clears throat> and then looked at us and g- gave us this really emphatic thumbs down. <laughs> It was. She just well, I guess you won't. You won't like the YooHoo we got you. <laughs> That's right. Uh, unnamed texter. If we had two good receivers that can catch the ball, we would be fine. Gator Nation says, Matt. I know people tired of asking uh, of me asking, but I want your opinion. You have to prove yourself. Start. What is he saying here? Okay, start at Jackson J State, Jackson State Junior College, maybe. Yeah, I'm trying to read this. Go to Southern Miss. I think Hobson is a good coach, much better than Moorhead. He deserves an interview at a Power 5 conference. What do you think? I'm a Gator. I don't care. I just see a good coach in him. If I'm State, if if State fires Moorhead, give him an interview, just not Florida State. I want them to hire the wrong man. Okay, got it, Gator Nation. That's Gator Nation on the text line who does not like to type in complete sentences or with full words. <laughs> I'm like reading. It's like reading a telegram. <laughs> I'm imagining what a conversation to be like. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like it's like reading a telegram. Well, anyway, um, look, stop. J- <laughs> he's he's typing stop in there. Uh, Jay uh, is an excellent coach, and he's done a very good job at Southern Miss. And he didn't. They won before he got there, but he didn't take over just necessarily the the easiest situation because the roster was so lopsided with JUCO stuff under Todd Munkin that it left some great big huge holes on the roster when all those junior college guys left and you can only sign 25 a year so it took them a couple of years to get back to a full 85 scholarships on the team and anyway Jay's just done an excellent job and we talked about this earlier Gator Nation and what I said is what you never know Jay is from Vicksburg all his family around there 
it's home to him. They have children. And I just think that there's a possibility that he really likes where he is at what he's making. And he can sit right there and be the next Jeff Bauer. He can. Okay. It's a different era. Sure. But now, obviously, look, yeah, I mean, if you do a good enough job at Southern Miss and Florida State calls you and wants to interview you, you go to the interview. And the same thing for Mississippi State. But I don't know that you – I don't – I wouldn't you know, sit here and confidently tell you that Jay's looking for the next big job. Rick on the text line says, Jomo's biggest accomplishment may be in uniting the Ole Miss and Mississippi State fan bases. Seems like we're all pulling for Ole Miss on Thursday. Well, and Rick, I'll just say that again. I know you're saying that uh, tongue-in-cheek, but I will just tell you that um, if you're a State fan and you're rooting for your team to lose because you want to fire the coach, number one, don't come up to me and tell me that in person because I'm going to light you up. And I'm going to light you up. Either that or I'm going to ignore you and kind of write you off because it is absolutely absurd. It is far anyone who does feel that way. I'm just telling you, let's have a – since I'm the only one you can see and hear right now, think for yourself. Think about yourself. If that is you, if you think in your head that you genuinely want your team to lose so that you can have a coaching change, what I'm telling you is you need to get some help. Uh Rick also said, seriously, if there's a way to win the game and keep the bowl streak alive while pushing Cohen to make a coaching change, then a lot of state fans would be for that. Otherwise, we may have to lose this battle to win the war. Madison Mailman, talking about Ole Miss, says that they are eligible for a bowl. You know, we were thinking about that. Yeah, okay, so the probation period goes until 2020, but most of the penalties are behind them. And what we said was, okay, well, if – Technically, if you were being fair at the NCAA level, if probation were enough to keep a team from being selected at 5-7 and seven to go to a bowl, then probation ought to keep anybody from going to a bowl, right? If that's what we're saying. And so maybe I was wrong about it all along. Jason says, doesn't probation mean that if they're caught cheating again within that same time frame, penalties are that much stronger? Yeah. That's what it means. You're on double secret probation. You screw up now. You only got two licks last time. This time, when you come to the principal's office, we're going to give you five licks, and we're sending you to the alternative school for three weeks. You know, that whole thing. So that's kind of what we're looking at. I have time for this. Here's Mike McIntyre, defensive coordinator, Ole Miss. Mississippi State offense that you're going to face. Well, they're, they're a very physical team. They run the ball really well. Um, their quarterbacks are big, and they run them well. Um, I've been very impressed with that. Uh, Colin Hill is an excellent running back. He's quick and powerful. Um, reminds me a little bit of 22 um, from LSU, except he's a little bit taller. Um, but he's that type of quickness, and you see him make people miss. Um, I've been very, very impressed. And their offensive line, is, is, is they're, they're huge. <laughs> There's some big, big guys up there, and they do a good job. Um, and then number uh, their receivers, one, two, and five, have been able to make plays. Um, five and one are extremely tall, seem very athletic. So I've been impressed with them. Your first Egg Bowl, what's kind of your thoughts and impressions going mm-hmm. into this week? This is actually my fifth Egg Bowl. 
<laughs> yes, so I, that's okay. I was here before with Coach Cutcliffe. Um, you know, the, the Egg Bowl is, um, it's, you know, I've been a lot of different uh, places, coached a lot, been played in a lot of different rivalries, that type of thing. Um, to me, this is one of the most fierce rivalries, especially when I was here before. Um, I remember the first time we played it, they had policemen lined off the 50-yard line and lined it because the year before they had a big fight. And, uh, I mean, we couldn't even get out, and it was pretty amazing how uh, uh, um, feisty and aggressive it was, and not only on the field but in the stands and everywhere else. Um, so I'm expecting the exact same thing um, when we go down there, very physical, feisty, um, kind of crazy atmosphere. All right, so that's uh, Coach McIntyre. Excellent defensive coach, and I will tell you that with their personnel, he has done a very good job uh, with that defense. Well, Matt, Ole Miss gives up so many pass yards. Yeah. You know, you have to be really good and talented and fast to cover SEC receivers. <laughs> Otherwise, they have they are second in the SEC in sacks in conference play. They get to the other quarterback. I just think they're well coached. But – you know, again, okay, so what he's mentioning right there is the 98 Egg Bowl. I played in that game. It was in Oxford. Uh, State won the game. We won, and that cinched our Western Division title and got to go play in Atlanta in the SEC Championship game and gave Tennessee the eventual national champion a run for their money. We had a lead in the fourth quarter after a um, Kevin Prentice punt return. But anyway, um, so the year before, in 97, you'd had that pregame scuffle fight. The worst thing, listen to me, the worst thing that happened in the 97 fight before the game was a kid who was there as a recruit, he was not on our team yet, got hit with a helmet on the sideline. That's the worst thing that happened. Not a single player on our team or their team was hurt in any kind of way. And every player on the field, you have a football fight, everybody's got helmets on and pads and stuff. So it looked bad, and everybody made a big deal out of it. But it really was not nearly as bad as a lot of the other things you've seen. And I'm going to prove that to you coming up in hour number two. I'm not condoning fighting. I'm not saying anybody's is happy that you get a little pushing and shoving going on. People leave the bench. You have to throw some people out. I'm not saying anybody's proud of that or you want it to happen. But I'm just telling you, listen to me. I'm not going to sit here. And just take a knee and cower down to anybody in the state of Mississippi or certainly outside of the state of Mississippi that wants to look, push their noses down and look down their nose at me and point to the state of Mississippi. You guys ought to behave better. You're, I tell you what, and I'll be honest with you, Kirk Herbstreet did that last year. I got a lot of respect for Kirk Herbstreet. But you know what I don't want to hear? I don't want to hear anything about behavior from somebody associated with Ohio State. Anybody who's ever been to an Ohio State-Michigan game knows anything that has ever happened in the Egg Bowl pales in comparison to that rivalry. Coaches punching players. So save your advice and, well, better yet, shove it. We'll take care of ourselves. And look one state over. Nobody's ever been shot over this Egg Bowl. Nobody's ever poisoned trees over this Egg Bowl. So everybody else can leave us alone and mind your own business. We'll be just fine without you. I don't need your advice. Well, just shoot up in here amongst us. One of us got the house where I didn't mean to do that. Stick around. It was perfect. (laughs) Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.